everybody, and welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley. My name is uh, Edson Ochoa. Uh, excuse me? There we go. Oh, come on. Anyways, welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley. It's episode 25. Woo! Actually, I had something planned that I totally forgot to do. It was just something fun, uh, having to do with yesterday, uh, the lights going off. But oh well. So um, I just wanted to, first of all, I want, do want to say, uh, you know, that yesterday... If you guys weren't aware on, on Twitter, uh, we were planning on going live. Uh, however, here in the Pearland region where, where Sean and I live, um, the, the power went out uh, throughout the afternoon. So uh, by the time I got here, uh, the power was restored, but, I, but it, was, uh, it was also going to be too late since I had, uh, I had already talked to the guys you know, of uh, postponing it to uh, the day after, which is today. Uh, mostly, mostly because we had no idea when power would be restored, but we're here. We're we're back. Um, today is Thursday for episode twenty-five. I do want to give a big shout out to our friends uh, from the uh, beautiful Game Network, who have helped help who help us out a lot in these uh, with our episodes. You know, uploading them to um, iTunes, Google Play Store, Stitcher, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So be sure to check them out. Uh, on their website at uh, www.bgn.fm. Follow them on, on their social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, at the BGNFM. Uh, while you're there, uh, be sure to check out all other USL podcasts, including uh, Rising as One, which covers uh, the Phoenix, or Phoenix Rising, uh, as well as the USL show and Sock Takes. Really, really good. Uh, podcasts that deal with with uh, USL teams, um, be, so be sure to check them out as well. Also, check out our website at downintherrgv.com. Uh, be sure to check out uh, as well our articles, our galleries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, follow us on our social media at uh, www. Actually, not not www. At down in the RGV on Twitter uh, as well as on Facebook. Um, be sure to check out our, our SoundCloud, where we upload all of our podcasts as well. And uh, if you have Instagram, be sure to follow our friends uh, from RGVFC Fans. We help uh, administer their their website or the, their their Instagram account. So be sure to check out uh, all of the the pics that, that they uh, that they upload. You know that cover cover the Toros. And um, it's really kind of difficult uh, for me to kind of talk about it right now um but all day you know we've been looking at all these pictures coming out of the rio grande valley um a lot of people have been displaced uh from their homes uh due to this uh tropical disturbance that dumped a lot of water uh, in these past few days in the rio rio grande valley region um i know uh, i think it was uh, Tim Smith or one of the weather stations from over there, if not the National Weather Service, they mentioned that just today alone, um, rainfall accumulation was about 11 point something inches. And that's a, that's a lot of water in such, uh, such a short amount of time. And so basically... Because of all these people that need help, the RGV Food Bank 
is requesting a lot of, a lot of donations. Um, they actually have a list that I posted on Twitter of things, canned foods, and uh, other u utilities that they may need. Uh, another, uh, this can be uh, donated and uh, dropped off at uh, all HEB stores in the Valley, as well as the, as the specific one on uh, 724 North Cage uh, Boulevard in Far Texas, um, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., uh, Monday to Friday, and 8 a.m. to noon uh, this Saturday. Uh, this, this address is actually their, their, uh, their, the building of the RGB Food Bank, so you can drop off the, your donations there uh, as well. Uh, the items that they are requesting are as follows. They're, they're asking for canned uh, soups, canned tuna, potted meat, uh, Vienna sausages, make sure that they're the easy open kind, uh, peanut butter in plastic jars, uh, fruit cups, uh, easy open, one gallon of uh, gallons of bleach, uh, and paper towels, not the moist uh, wipes, the actual paper towels, like the bounty ones, and things like that. Uh, you can also donate all, all monetary donations online, and that can be on their website, foodbankrgv.com. Be sure to click on the How to Help menu item and make uh, your donation to the RGV Food Bank. Uh, from all of the guys here and down in the valley, uh, myself, Jacob, uh, Cesar, and Ray, uh, we would really, we really appreciate any help that you guys would uh, would give to the residents of the Rio Grande Valley, who a lot of them ha have suffered a lot. And uh, it looks like this is something that might take it might take a while for people to recover, um, because t frankly, the valley just isn't isn't ready for this amount of rainfall and obviously it's none of the none of the citizens fault we no, nobody could have could have could have predicted uh, this much this this much uh, rain um and so well once more you know would really appreciate any any donations that you guys uh could give to to the food bank at RGV Blues fan, all the thoughts uh, are on the people in the RGB area and the surrounding area. What a time it has become. I hope everybody, everyone is well. Uh, definitely, uh, Blues fan. So, um, having said all of this, let's go ahead and, and uh, welcome uh, my co-host, uh, Jacob. Jacob, how, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, better than most of the folks in the RGV. Of course, I was very lucky that I live on the north side of McAllen, and so we didn't. We got a lot of rain, but it didn't. It wasn't to the point where it flooded. A lot of it was west of where I live, so that was good. But of course, yeah, all, all the thoughts are with us, and of course, now it's just a time to rally around this whole city. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, my parents were sending me pictures, sending me videos. The, of like their friends that live in the south side of McAllen, with uh, La Balboa, uh, over there by the mil military highway and 20, 23rd Street, you know, even right in front of the convention center, 
so many so many vehicles you know sub almost submerged completely underwater uh on the on the frontage road you know there were cars that were trying to get out of the water you know trying to climb you know the grass towards the actual expressway that didn't manage to make it uh to the expressway before their engines engines failed you know i have a couple of friends you know ex-co-workers you know who posted on their on their social media you know their the the water actually managed to get in get inside of the of their houses and a lot of a lot of people are right now at, at uh emergency shelters so our prayers uh go out and go out to all of them and not just prayers but uh i i'll i'll be trying to see uh what i can do to to help uh once i'm over there this uh this, this weekend um so hope hope to see uh hope to see a lot of you you guys from the from the rgb that were not really affected as much and if you can guys can can help out your fellow rgb citizens who were uh affected to the point that they're not in their homes right now and we could we would really greatly appreciate it so and anyways um man, i don't know all right guys show's over bye i can't do this anymore no 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 okay show must, show must go on um so this past week and i keep on saying it every week that it just hasn't been our, our week we had another loss we went to uh okc we went up to okc and we went up against one of the worst teams in the in the usl at that time and that is okc energy and we just completely lost it and it's the same thing every week where yeah victoria it just hasn't been our season just in general <laughs> but even then it's like even last season was not our season so what's i just don't know what's what actually we know what's going on but it just it just makes us feel hopeless the way things have been going and more specifically that last that last goal it just i i saw it and i was like i was just shocked i had really had nothing to say because i saw that almost everybody had just given up completely in which nico cordy goes up uh towards we have a, we had a corner kick in our favor nico cordy goes up and uh, miguel gonzalez from okc uh wins the ball uh outside our box and he runs all the way towards an unattended unattended uh, goal and nobody ran except for uh except for pablo aguilar and pablo aguilar you know tried to um uh slow down miguel uh, you know, and say Gonzalez, I think, and nobody, came, nobody else went down to help him, and then even he gave up, and just let the OKC attacker just pretty much trot over and just push the ball inside inside the goal for the the final three one loss. 
Yeah, it was not it was not our day, obviously not our week, and it hasn't been our season either. And of course that was just to proven. We had given up I believe technically though, uh OKC Energy actually had ended up overtaking us before we came into that week. Yeah, before we came into that weekend. But the problem also was that even from the start of the game, we saw I know Omar Ontiveros Ontiveros Om uh, he he ended up scoring, but at the start of that, he gave up a dumb foul at really early in the game. Yes, you can say it's tech; it was a tactical foul, but at the same time, you don't need to give up um, a you don't need to get a yellow card 11 minutes into the game. And that was just, in my opinion, what started off in a way just terrible play. Yeah, definitely, because especially when you're a center back. Having a yellow that early in the game pretty much limits you what you can and cannot do in, 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 as the game goes by. Because now you have to make sure that you can't foul anybody because then you run the risk of getting the second yellow and the red. And so because of that, I felt that even Omar Ontiveros, you know, felt like he didn't do some, some things like he usually does because of that yellow. Now, my also, my concern or my main gripe with Omar Ontiveros is that he gives up these yellows too easily. I, if I'm not mistaken, Omar Ontiveros is the player with the most, with the most uh, yellows on this team. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, confirm that uh, because I feel like, yeah, like he's... Like almost every match, he's been he's been getting a yellow. Yeah, and it's a shock that, of course, we ha we know that rule. It comes up where if you get too many yellow cards throughout a season, you're gonna get suspended. The guy, in my opinion, Omar Altiveros, I know he's probably one of the only uh, good defenders, at least in the back line for our team, because we don't have that much depth. But at the same time, maybe it's time for a change. If he's going to keep doing that and giving up those yellow cards way too easily, there's no reason for him yeah. to do that. So, Ontiveros, yeah, by far, he has five yellows this season. The next one is Todd Warden with three. So... He's really, but this all comes, I feel like this all comes with ex, with experience. Like, he he's still a little bit too frantic in trying to get the ball back that he, he, he gives up these, gives up these fouls. At least that's, that, that's the way I see it. But in the end, you know, it's, it's, it's affecting us neg negatively, uh, especially with how early he, and he ends up uh, giving up these fouls. Exactly. And, and, I mean, you said it right there. He, there's just... I know we're just going on one person, but at the same time, that one person makes a huge difference throughout the game. If, and it's, sim it's simple soccer. You get a yellow card early in the game, you can't be that aggressive. And we need players to be aggressive and try. But guess what? It's not That's not going to happen if you get yellows constantly. Yeah, and you're talking about a yellow in the fifth minute. That's yeah. That's too early. Ah, uh, yeah, he does get the he does get the goal in the fifteenth minute. Uh, 
uh, off of a header. If I'm not mistaken, it was a um, it was after a, a goal a corner kick, you know. But in but in the end, you know, the same defensive problems, the same mental mistakes, you know, continue to plague us, especially especially away. It's plagued us both ways in a, in a sense because, yeah, we only have one win, and that was at home. Yes, we've had most of our draws at home as well, and then constantly just giving up even more on the road. And it's unacceptable. Of course, we've talked about it constantly, but what is there to really talk about anymore if they're just going to keep on doing this and give up? We saw it in the OKC game. That was the first time that I really, when I watched the game, I just stopped watching it because I couldn't handle it. They just gave up. They didn't care about the play or anything like that. It's frustrating. It, it, it is frustrating because, you know, we're trying to hype up this team. Obviously, we, we're trying to inform first and foremost about this team. But we're also, you know, trying to hype up, you know, this, this team to the fans, you know, to get people on. Uh, uh, on the stadium to go watch them at, at live at HB Park whenever they play at home, and then they give a, they give us th- this you know they're giving us this showing you know before it wasn't because of a lack of trying but then after this game after the way they ended it you know it leaves you a really really foul tasting in, in your mouth because you know if you know if this if these players and like they just they just are hopeless uh, out of the situation, then you really don't have that. You lose that hope of, you know, reverting this, this negative situation, because if the players who are the front runners uh, of, or I want to say the, I'm trying, I totally lost, lost the word, but they're the ones responsible for turning the ship around. If they give up, then it's hard for for a fan to or to not give up as well. You, you said it. It's tough. I can't really defend this team any more than we have, and just it's yeah, it's difficult. You you said it as well. We're trying to inform fans and bring fans into the stadium, but if they keep losing and playing the way that they play, then there's basically no sense we're gonna see at the end of the season most likely we may we might have two to three wins in our column but right now it just does not look good for anything to come out of this even for next season no definitely i mean so one of the one of the things that that was brought up on generation orange on uh tuesday because <laughs> you're the one that kind of brought it up Okay, Cisco brought it up. So, Cisco, if you're listening, uh, thank you. Okay. So, one of the things that Cisco brought up on Generation Orange was if we know that this team has the talent. Well, you got to ask the question first. What was the question again? It was a. Um, is the difference between this team and the team, or what? What is the difference between this team and 
2016. So I'm going to make you the same question again. Thank you, Sean. What, for you, what was the difference between the 2016 team that led us to second place in the Western Conference and into the playoffs compared to this 2018 season team? Well, for me, we had a lot more... Um, well, yeah, we had a lot more uh, vet- veterans on that team. We're talking about uh, Lovejoy, Rob Lovejoy, right there. That was a man that had played in the MLS, knew what it took to p- play anywhere, and was fantastic. Then the same thing, right off the bat, you have Kevin Garcia that played fantastically. And just that team had a sense of urgency, had a sense of passion to play, constantly were making moves to get even better. And that's what led them to second place. Now, of course, not including the playoff game. That was a totally different story. But for the whole season, what led us to that second place was just the play. It was much better. I think we... And yes, it will take time for even Jerson to find this team. But out of the first year for us to do that, it's just because I think we had the talent. So you, so we have the talent in 2018. Is that what you're saying? We do not have the talent in 2018. We had the talent in 2016. But not this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. man. It's sad. It's really, really sad, sad, sad to sad to say, because you know, I think I honestly think we do have talent in most of the necessary the necessary positions. We've talked many times about the places where we don't have talent right now, or depth. But I feel like starting eleven for the most part has talent. I mean. The reason the reason I'm saying this is because I mean you know Aldo's Aldo has talent I think Chui has talent I think Todd Ward Todd Warden definitely has talent uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Adams and Manny Padilla uh, as well as um, um, this, um, Kai Green you know they've shown that they have they have talent and Nico Nico Perea when 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 paired along with Wharton, ha- has shown talent. But it's these mental mistakes. The worst part is, is that they keep on repeating the same mistakes. Now, does that, now does fixing that fall at the responsibility of the players? Or does the coaching staff also have some sort of responsibility for that. It falls on both. It falls on the players for obviously trying to fix it. And then of course you have to have coaching to say, look, you're doing this wrong. This is how you can make it better. So it falls on both of them. Is it ignorance? I have no idea, but it could be that part where, yeah, maybe a player is just thinking, Oh, I know how to fix this, but then he just goes off and he does the same thing again making it in insanity. And uh, I can definitely uh, agree, agree on that in, in that, you know, it's, a, it's up to the players 
to put into practice what they feel is is the solution to that to that uh, lack of mental awareness. But then you know, then again, you know, the coaching staff should should be the ones that you know get after them <clears throat> when they continue to when they continue to do that, and if they continue to make these mistakes, you know. Maybe they need to they, they need to see they need to see the, the the bench you know, but then we run into this problem in which you, we have our starting eleven, but the ones that are down there there's a noticeable uh, change in, in 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 talent, and so the coach coach Cheveri has to balance his trust. That the players will get that will, will get through this, uh, as well as you know, being being firm, but the the team being affected negatively by these you know by the players. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what would you what you would prefer. So I'm going to ask you this question: Do you prefer the starting eleven continuing to continuing to play because they're you can say the best of the bunch of the roster but having the you know these mistakes pop up or do you prefer playing continue to playing with the with the bench with the with the reserves with Bryce Marion with Sheldon Sullivan with uh, Robert Castellanos who aren't as talented per se as Ontiveros uh, Kyle Adams uh and uh Todd Warden but that don't have the te- the the tendency to make these mistakes we've already got we've already uh don't have one of the biggest um uh, what's the word i'm looking for one of the biggest culprits of these mental mistakes, and that is uh, Connor Donovan. You know, but we're seeing that this continues to happen. I mean, what what what's your what do you think? Should we sacrifice the the talent in our starting eleven uh, to try to minimize you know these these mistakes, or will it be just the same the same story due to their inexperience? Well. It- that, that is a really good question. It's really tough to even answer because at the same time, we know, yes, we have that talent, especially up front. We have the talent throughout the start in 11. But at the same time, I would like to see a bit of change. Who are the players that are really doing well for RGVFC at the moment? That's most likely, in my opinion, the front. Yeah, the front group. Um um, Todd Wharton and all of those guys, especially up front, they're doing fine. But now I guess it's just a chance for us to change the back, just the back line. And I, I'm saying, and give give James a chance, give all these inexperienced guys, for especially the back line, a chance. Of course, keep Nico Cordy, because I don't think that guy is doing that bad of a job. It's just, can the defense help? And I think if you just make a little bit of a change... In the back line, I think that'll be success. Okay, number one, 
if man, it, because honestly, Manny Padilla, I don't think it's the problem. Manny Padilla has been doing good. That's one of the players that I say has been doing great. But I think my change would be this: keep Manny Padilla on the as right back. Have Kyle Adams return to the center back position, along with maybe Robert Castellanos, in the, uh, uh, pairing up with him, and have Kai Green playing as left back, because. You're talking about a player that's been here since the beginning, that has shown his talent. Now, all of a sudden, he's not getting any minutes with the first team. Much less, worst part, not even with the second team, because they're giving more minutes to Bryce Marion and Sheldon Sullivan. I know you have. I know you were telling me something during this week, and yeah. I. Are you, are you willing to share it with the with the audience? No, I mean, it, it's it's like locker room talk, really. Of course, I'm not going to say this is official, but with, and it even goes to FIFA Football Manager. All those games, those players want minutes. You want to play, and when you've been there since the beginning and you're not playing, it's frustrating. So guess what? Kai Green wants to leave. What a shock! But this guy is not getting minutes where he's that, but he's that talented. He's that talented to start. And I do actually agree with exactly what you're saying. We need to change that part. And I think it can be a much better thing. Kai Green has been there from the beginning. What are we really missing? We are missing veterans in this lineup. We're missing experienced players. Boom. You put Kai Green in there. It's a, it gets more... You have more experience, especially in your back line. It's going to be much better if we do that. Yeah, de definitely. I mean, I don't see. I don't see why. What is it about Kai Green that doesn't does does not really convince Gerson to give him minutes? What does Bryce Marion have that Kai Green doesn't? I mean. What does Kai Green have or does or doesn't have that Sheldon Sullivan does? And that is the million dollar question uh, with with this. Now we're going to we're in danger of losing another, you know, an another player in this already limited roster. We have the 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 summer transfer window is about to come in. And if Kai Green, if this is true, that Kai Green is looking uh, looking to leave, I don't blame him. Because at the end of the day, like you said, these players want minutes. And if this team isn't going to give him minutes for whatever reason, then he's going to go out and look, uh, look somewhere else. Not to say that, like I said, Manny has done a horrible job and he doesn't deserve the starting lineup. He does, but like you said, we we need we need veteranship out there. And if the Dynamo does not believe in bringing in a more veteran player, you know, 
an like an ex league MX player around those because they don't benefit through that. Then why not take advantage of this player that has, like I said, has been here since the beginning, has played USL for three years, you know, and help help out Todd Warden with that responsibility of uh, helping these young guys, you know, develop because. Todd Warden already has enough on his hands with the captainship. He he has to help develop uh, uh, not only himself, but uh, Nicolas Perea and uh, Jorginho James. And there's nobody else in the front, in the striker position, on the wing position. We don't have experience there. And we're seeing that because their, their understanding of each other, how they play... It's getting better. Uh, hold on. Sean, can you pass me the, uh, the laptop charger, please? Thank you. You know, and, and yet we're like 15 games into the season, and they still don't know. A lot of them still don't know how to, uh, where to cross it to give an advantage uh, to whether it's Guillermo Delgado or Aldo Quintanilla. Uh, or whoever's up in the striker uh, position, you know, we need somebody like, and we always talk about it in Generation Orange, like Vicente Sanchez, someone who will go up to, to and set an example to these young guys, tell them what they're doing right, tell them what they're doing wrong, um, and help the, the development and help with, that, with all that experience. But they, they don't want that. So we have to rely on players that have led through experience with these years that they've been in the USL. But you can't compare years in the USL with years in Liga MX, with years with uh, in, in the nas- in a national team, in years with you know in um, uh, in Europe or things like that. You know so. In the end, what you have, you're not taking advantage of it, and I just don't. I just don't think don't think it's right. And we don't have. We're not in a position to have that luxury of wasting these players. No, we were in a position two years ago to have that luxury of wasting players, and sure enough, did it pay off well? No, it paid off terribly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jose Escalante is one that, in a sense, with that, and I'm sorry to say this, but it's true, he continues his playing with San Antonio FC, that man can get really good really fast and become a star for the Honduran national team. So, because I believe he is from Honduras. My point to that is, just like we've said, we cannot waste any more talent. We have the talent here. That's why Kevin Garcia is successful in in Houston. That's one definition of how well we've done but at the same point it every single time we go back we can't waste him and we're doing exactly that we don't have that much we, we still have young players but they're not going to develop until maybe three or four years from now so we need to take advantage of what we've got now and sure enough we're not doing it yeah definitely and um I just don't want to see another performance like they had against OKC Energy. Like, and I told you all right after that game, 
I think it's stop. I think it's time that we, more specifically, I, stop making excuses as to why these players aren't uh, performing like they should. And questions need to be answered. And things have to have to turn around. Because if we're getting desperate, if we're getting hopeless, I cannot imagine how um, the more casual fans are getting desperate and say, you know what, why should I go to the games if they just keep on losing? Especially in a region where results are is the number one pri- priority as far as like uh, how much they will support a team. And so, I don't know, I just... I just really cannot. I have no more words uh, for for the, for this game. I mean, I think I think we've said what what would needed to be said in in regards to that. Um, I know this is a process, like Sean says, uh, that Dynamo must be fulfilled before you know the trickle down effect goes down uh, to the Rio Grande Valley. But in the meantime, we're left in we're, we are left in a position where we're losing we're lo- we're getting losing streaks and uh, lo- losing players because of I'm just gonna say it you know the incapability of taking advantage you know of, of using their roster what they have with the roster and using it effectively. And it doesn't help that, of course, like we said for this game, and like you said, well, really quick, I'm going to backtrack. You said it's a process, but the process doesn't mean the player. um, The process doesn't mean that you don't, yeah, you don't stop playing. You keep playing. You try your hardest, but that's not what they're doing. So it's it's frustrating. Those players need to get, they just need to have a second win. And sadly... Of course, what happened to the RGV this week was tragic, but maybe they can rally around this somehow and maybe strike up a win streak. That would be nice. It would it would be nice, but this is but the mentality needs to be changed from uh, from uh, a lot of these players. One of the quotes that I remember really well from the, after that seven zero match in which Mexico lost against Chile in Copa America Centenario. But one of the quotes the day after from Luis, uh, Luis Garcia, uh, which, who is uh, one of the commentators from TV Azteca. And it was along the lines of, if you bust your ass out there on the field, then there's no need for you to ask for forgiveness. But if you don't bust your ass out there on the field, then you don't deserve forgiveness. Well, it's a bit extreme, but I get what he's trying to uh, come there and say. You just, yeah, of course, if you if you leave it out on the field, it's basically what he's saying, then you shouldn't feel bad. But if you don't leave it out all out in the field, which I know those players did not, then you should feel terrible. You should honestly think, why didn't I play better? Why didn't I try harder? Yeah. Um, 
hopefully that's not the case, but that's what it feels like. That's what was, that's what was shown out there on the field. Um, and we're pro we may come off as maybe too harsh, but really I just don't care anymore. I just don't care anymore. You know, it's, it's just the truth. What was shown out there on the pitch at Taft stadium was really, uh, not worthy of someone who calls himself a professional soccer player. Because if you're out there, it might be 93rd, 93rd minute, but you might as well just give it, give it all. Especially if you have somebody out there trying to help you with, in the case of Pablo Aguilar, but you just leave him out to die against the, against uh, Miguel Gonzalez. Then of course he's going to be the oh, okay. Well, if nobody's going to help me, then why should I care? Why should I try and stop him? Which is not the right decision either. But I mean, I get why he just gave up and did not continue to try to take the ball or try to foul, you know, uh, Miguel Gonzalez because he was just trying to contain him to make, hopefully get somebody else, you know, to come over and, and do it to have a two against one and try to take the ball away. But that didn't happen. So. I'm getting mad now, you know, just thinking about it. Um, okay, Ray says, at this point, I think Gerson needs to experiment once again, not Osorio style, but do give those who want to play, I'm assuming, a chance. Yeah, I, I agree with him. The ones that want to play, give them a chance. It's true. And... At least, I mean, you pointed out one thing. At least it's not every single player that's giving up. That, that's a good part. We still have some players that care to play well, especially in that those late minutes. I know you're tired. You feel out of it. But guess what? You've still got a game to play. you still got a game to finish, no matter if you're losing or not. Lose with dignity. Don't lose not with dignity, basically. I mean, just lose the right way. Don't lose the wrong way. And yeah. we lost the wrong way. Yeah, de definitely. So, I think this is an interesting uh, break point. Uh, actually, you know, we have 15 minutes. We'll go ahead. So, at 8 o'clock around there, we're going to show the interview with ha we had with Chuy Enriquez um, the, on uh, Monday. Um, it was an interesting. It was an interesting discussion where he talks about his career and he makes, he also makes comments about the current situation with RGVFC. So to those of you all who are watching right now, do not, do not miss it. Uh, please uh, do not miss it. It's an, inter it's an interesting uh, point of view from, you know, from, the player's point point of view of what's what's going on, what they feel, and what they think needs needs to get better, because he was one of the ones last game against um, who was who was it? Uh, Jacob, uh, refresh my memory. The last game at home. The last game at home we played against the Portland Timbers too. Two. Well. One of the biggest things that he said, and he kept on repeating that, it's, it's, stopped, it's time to stop just saying what needs to be done and actually doing it. 
And so he got into a little bit more into detail of what he meant when he said that so, uh, in, in, after that, that, that post-game conference. So be sure to check that out. In the meantime, let's go ahead and kind of talk about this Saturday's game. Uh, Rio Grande Valley FC, or the Toros, our Toros, uh, will be hosting uh, Phoenix Rising FC, Drogba's uh, team, per se. Uh, Drogba, if I'm not mistaken, will not be will not be making the trip. I believe, as I've been told, he is right now in Russia for the World Cup. So he will not be making an appearance, not even on the bench or, or even traveling with the team, from what I've been told. However, they do have somebody else that we need to take care of, that we need to worry about. A player that has been on fire, a player that is very familiar to Dynamo fans, and that is Jason Johnson. He is on fire right now. It is ridiculous that he can score almost from anywhere and make every goal, not just any random ordinary goal, but a beautiful goal. Yeah, it, he is really impressive. He is a fantastic soccer star that, I mean, I'm scared for RGVFC to play against because we all know when they get a good star or they play against a good star or a good team, it's they normally pl they play well, but they don't play good enough to get that W. And, of course, yeah, that's one player to watch out for. Luckily, I do know that this team, no matter if they're in the lead or losing, they love to play aggressively. So watch out for a couple of yellow cards and maybe a red card from Phoenix and maybe, of course, a yellow from us. Mm -hmm. And not to mention that there are a couple of other players for uh, that, in my opinion, are scary as well, whether it would be on the defensive side because they're also just big. And that would be Sean Wright Phillips. I believe Sean Wright Phillips still plays for Phoenix Rising FC. And the last time that he played against RGVFC last year, I remember I was in the, um, the Stampede side, and he was fantastic as well. So those two playing together, it's going to be interesting. Well, we are kind of lucky in that regard because uh, Wright Phillips is not on the uh, Phoenix Rising roster. But who is in the Phoenix Rising roster? And you'll remember him from San Antonio. Billy Forbes. Oh, Billy Forbes. Good old Billy Forbes. Yep, he... I mean, it's not a good thing, obviously, because this player, he, he's also really good, too. And he's created... Um, He's created problems in the past for RGVFC, so uh, that'll that'll be interesting to watch as well. And yeah, of course, like I said, both both those players together on the pitch, if they can work together, it's they're gonna it's gonna be tough for RGV. So, in the past five games, this is their form, the form for Phoenix Rising. They lost away against Swell Park Rangers one to zero. But then they went to St. Louis and defeated them 3-1. to They tied 0-0 against Sacramento Republic at Sacramento. They defeated Las Vegas Lights at home 4-0. And then defeated at home as well Tulsa Roughnecks 3-0. That is scary. The amount of goals that this team is able to uh, put on goal. 
And the fact that that's something that we are struggling with right now, putting in goals. So I really see a dark, you know, my projection or my prediction is dark. Because from what Phoenix Rising has been showing and what RGV has not been showing, we're probably looking at minimum four to zero. Now I hope that the same this that the same luck happens as what happened between Mexico and Germany, where I said that we were gonna lose by a lot and we ended up winning. That's what I'm hoping for. That's my optimist. But in reality, I feel like maybe two zero. Maybe. Minimum. Yeah and, and like I said Phoenix Rising, they like to play aggressively. So if we can get them in situations where they foul and get a couple of yellow cards even early in the game, it could it could change their tactics for sure. It it happened before last year. That was the whole reason why we were able to um, draw them one to one. So that could be a possibility. Of course, that all. With that being said, if that were to happen, RTVFC needs to take care of business and take care of their chances as well. That's one thing that's been that's been lacking RGVFC is of course chances they've had their chances now it's time for them to finish their chances and if that works especially the like the way I said if Phoenix Rising were to get into some trouble early then that would be pretty good for RGVFC if they could knock in a couple of goals so in their last game against Tulsa they lined up in a 4-1-4-1 formation you had uh, Carl Wasinski on goal, uh, Amadou Dia left back, Mike DeFonte center back along with Joseph Farrell, Cody Wakasa as the right back, uh, James Musa as a central defensive midfielder, Jason Johnson out and in left midfield, Kevin Lambert and uh, Gladson Awako center mids. Solomon Asante, right mid. Chris Cortez as the striker. So it's a 4-1-4-1 formation. That is something that we've not... I don't think we've ever seen uh, another team play that I know of. Um, and you're talking to Jason Johnson out in the wing. You know, speedy player, but... Not only that, when needed, he will bounce to the striker position. And you saw it in that beautiful goal he had against Tulsa. He was inside the box waiting for a cross and got it in a vo with a volley. And so a that kind of dynamic player is going to be a – I think it's going to be a headache for our defenders. Yeah, not to mention that that goal was goal of the week, if I'm not mistaken, uh, according to USL, uh, their Twitter page. So, yeah. And don't be shocked, of course, if Phoenix Rising did their homework correctly. You will see Phoenix Rising constantly go to our weak spot and constantly, over and over again, run the same play. And because we saw that against LA Galaxy 2, and I remember, I recall that because constantly they did the exact same thing and it paid off for them, getting that one-to-one -one draw. 
And so, of course, if they do that constantly, it's most likely it's most likely going to be a goal. And of course, with also that being said, RGVFC needs to change up their offense because, as I mean, I know you've mentioned this before, it's too our offense is way too predictable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And one of the announced, one of the commentators in in the OKC game, pretty much mentioned it. And then those exact words: predictable. It's always handed off to Chui. Chui will try to dribble past two, three defenders, and then try to look for a cross towards the striker. And nine times out of eight, eight out of eight out of ten times. No, I was, I, I was like. I went with I was gonna go nine out of ten, but then I was like eight out of ten times they will go to Chui. Other times they'll try to find the uh, on the right ring, whether it's Zach Wright or Matias Alivar or um, what's his, or John Montaigne. But but more often than not, RGV will try to look for Chui because he has he, he because of his dribbling capabilities. Now his crossing may not be so great, but he does have he does have have that spark that makes defenders go crazy. The problem with relying too much on him is number one. Obviously, the defense is going to double mark or triple mark him, and when that happens, you know he's isolated against three people, and it doesn't help. That very few times he get he gets helped out by the by anybody else, and, and so because here's here's the thing: if you get one player that's double or triple mark, that means that there's got to be somebody out there that 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 uh, in theory would be open. Now the question is: if you can't get the ball outside of that area where you're at, when you have that 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 closely knit marking. Then it really there's really not much much you can do, and I think that's one of the things that did he did that Chuy Enriquez did mention in in, in the interview uh, about that, and uh, we are now at two minutes away from from the hour. Um, you have any other any other thoughts on the Phoenix Rising game? I mean, just to kind of add to what you were saying there, um, and we'll probably see it this Saturday when, when let's say, Chewy or someone gets the ball and they get triple teamed. Well, once he gets the ball, we'll see that space that he once had close up really fast. And so if they know that that's going to happen, they can use quick passes. And if they can use quick passes, maybe they can find a good opening. Now, of course, that comes with experience and is a pretty tough thing to see. But if they can kind of even sense it, it should be good. Well, let's let's hope that that they're able to do, to develop it uh, like that. So, um, quickly, prediction for this game. Uh, quick prediction: I say two nil. Um, I want to say RGVFC, but no, two nil. Uh, Phoenix Rising FC. If Aldo Quintanilla plays, I would say 3-1 Phoenix Rising. 
yeah, that's a good, that's a good um, one. Um, and having said this, we'll be right back uh, later on in, in the night. In the meantime, we are going to show you, we're going to go on, on, on break. And when we come back, we will show you the interview that we had with uh, Chuy Enriquez. Uh, like I said, be sure to pay attention to what he says. He has a lot of uh, interesting uh, thoughts uh, and uh, things that you probably did not uh, know about uh, Chuy Enriquez. So be sure to uh, not miss it. And uh, when, we when we come back from the break after the interview, we will talk about World Cup. And uh, because it's such a hot topic right now, we're going to go ahead and open the phone lines for the World Cup segment. So don't go away just yet. We will be right back after this uh, music.
Welcome back, everybody, to Down in the Valley. My name is Edson Ochoa, and we also have our co-host, uh, Jacob Young. Um, be sure to check out our, our friends on uh, the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, follow them at the BGNFM, uh, as well as uh, check out the website at bgn.fm. Uh, they uh, help us a lot getting our podcast to iTunes, uh, Google Play Store. So be sure to check them out. When you're, while you're on their webpage, be sure to also check out the other uh, other USL podcasts like uh, the Back Chat Show, USL Show, and uh, Rising as One, uh, who cover our this week's rivals, uh, Phoenix Rising SC. Uh, while, you can also check out uh, our website down in the RGV.com. Uh, be sure to also subscribe to us uh, if you haven't already uh, on YouTube, uh, as well as our alternate channel, which is Down in the Valley Gaming. We will be uh, uploading either FIFA, uh, Football Manager, uh, Project Cars, any, any games that we want to use. Jacob, uh, Sean, and I, we, we will be uh, uploading videos for your pleasure. So be sure to uh, give, the, give us a follow on that channel as well. And uh, without further ado, uh, today we actually have uh, Chuy Enriquez uh, on, on the show. And uh, Chuy Enriquez uh, is one of our current players. He is one of our wingers and I think has been one of the, the players that has stood out uh, the most in, in, this, uh, in, in this season. So let's go ahead and give him a warm welcome. Chuy, how have you been, man? I've been good. I've been good. Thanks for having me on the show. Not a problem, man. Any, anytime. So, you know... One of the one of the things that, that was really interesting to 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 ask, you know, players is how did you get from from when you started playing to here? Uh, can you describe your your career so far since in Fuerzas Básicas with uh, with Cholos, or even bef before that to where you at right now? Yeah, well, I could even go before Cholos. You know, it was a it was a long process and. It was there was a point in my young career where I thought I was done, and you know I got the opportunity out of nowhere to go and try out for Cholos, and that's where my professional career started. Mm -hmm. And um, and it all started with uh, I started playing high school because I was in the national team pools when I was younger, mm -hmm. and I was you know kicked out because of disciplinary reasons, and. Uh, after that, I thought I was done, just completely done. And that was for like a whole year. I wasn't the same, wasn't playing the same. Decided to play high school, not play club. And uh, I was doing good. And I went back to club after high school. And that's when I went to a tournament in a surf cup, San Diego. Mm -hmm. And San Diego's right across the border from Tijuana. So the scouts were there. And uh, they saw me play. They called my parents. And it was just a decision overnight. I, mean, I remember getting the phone call from my dad. I was at a friend's house and he just told me, you know, it's either you take your finals and fail just the whole junior year or you go try out and make the best out of it. So it was a, it was a hard decision, but, you know, obviously I've always wanted to play pro and I went with the tryout and made it and you know, even even when I made it, it was hard for me to play out there because I wasn't 18 yet, and my parents were living in the U.S. and have anybody to sign my my parental uh, rights that I needed to play. Mm -hmm. So they tried to move my mom from where she was living 
to Tijuana, but you know, fortunately, she doesn't have papers, and she has my little sister out there, so she couldn't leave everything behind just for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they sent me to Nomads till I turned 18. Nomads, in, it's an academy in San Diego. And right at 18, the day of my birthday, I signed my first pro contract. Nice. So how – describe with, with Cholos, you played with uh, the under-20s. You played with their – I'm guessing their second division or – Yeah, I, I played with the second division. I started with the second division, mm-hmm. and then uh, it went – well from there it's kind of weird a lot of people think that it's better to be in the second division than the 20s but it's really not like that out there it's better to be in the 20s instead of the second division because the 20s goes everywhere where the first team goes say the first team goes to Cruz Azul mm-hmm. the first uh, the 20s will go to Cruz Azul the second division they have their own separate league so it's kind of harder to get watched by the first team people by the directiva so I started with the second division uh you know I had a good season scoring goals, assists, everything, and they took me with the 20s, made it to the finals twice. After the second final, I started training with the first team just nonstop for about eight months mm-hmm. with uh, Pio Herrera, and he really liked the way I was playing. He liked everything about me. They will take me to the bench with the first team. I would play every scrimmage they had with the first team, travel to Rosa Lake, uh, travel to Juarez, Coras, you know, go out to bench for Copa, mm-hmm. but I never got the chance to actually debut, which was kind of, you know, upsetting to me because I felt like I deserved it. But, you know, soccer is just like that sometimes. Yeah, and you men- you mentioned, you know, Miguel Herrera, who is like they say, he's a personaje in and of itself in the in the, in Mexico. You know, how could you how would you describe uh, Miguel Herrera uh, as a coach? From your experience, I, I mean, he was just, to be honest, he was a great coach. He was helping a lot. He was a great person, too. You know, a lot of people think that he's, you know, rowdy. He's, uh, how do you say it? Perdón por la palabra, pero mamón. You know, a lot of people <laughs> think that. But it's really, like, it's really not like that. You know, he, he would be straight up with me when I was doing things well, when I was doing things bad. He would talk to me all the time. You know, it, it felt like he was trying to help me out. But, you know, sometimes I did feel like he didn't have just the full confidence in me because, you know, obviously he wouldn't he wouldn't debut me, he wouldn't play me. But other than that, you know, he was a great person on and off the field. He was, he was humble. He would talk to me all the time. And uh, when he left, you know, obviously he left to America. So when he left to America, we actually traveled to America that next season. Mm-hmm. And I... I actually talked to him. I talked to him that day. I was like, yo, can I go to the hotel, go see you guys? And he, he replied everything normal, you know, like a normal person. Mm-hmm. And he told me where, where they were staying. I went over there, hung out with them for a bit, talked to a former teammate that I played with that got traded to America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he's just, he's a good person. I think he's a good person. Like I said, other people, you know how they put it out there in the media. Yeah, they probably, you know, they don't think he's not the best person out there. But no, he's I feel like he's a good person. Yeah. You know, it it, is like you say, I mean, it is completely opposite. Maybe like the media for the ratings and things like that. They paint him, you know, what they see, you know, outside, uh, like on the field. You know, you know, he's he's somebody that's not that tells it how it is. He's very outspoken. 
a lot of people might take it the the the, the wrong way, you know. But he's just he's he's just blunt. Whether it's with the media, you know, with the uh, with uh, other other <laughs> other coaches, yeah, you know? yeah, other incidents that he's had also. So yeah, it, he just they just think that he's you know a bad person. But no, no, he's a great he's a great person. You know, like I said, on and off the field, he would help you on the field and. He would talk to you about real life things, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's a good person. That's good to hear. So uh, another question that I have for you in regards to that: how how difficult was it for you once you were with Cholos, once you signed your your first team contract with them? How difficult was it for you to get used to a completely different uh, atmosphere, completely uh, you know different culture? I mean. Hey, there is a big difference between the, you know, the the Mexican American culture in California compared to the, the the culture in Tijuana. Was it hard for you to adjust, or what, or was it uh, simple? No, it was. To be honest, it was hard for me. The very first four four months of me being there, mm -hmm. it was worse when I was trying out. You know, I got there and the players would look at you. They would look at they would look at you like you didn't deserve to be there because you're a gringo you know i look mexican really mexican mm -hmm. and they would still call me gringo i wouldn't know how to speak spanish the way they did you know like i did when i actually when i first got there i stayed at the casa club and i didn't have i had one colcha no pillow so i had to sleep with my duffel bag mm -hmm. and nobody offered me a colcha nobody you know it was hard for me to adjust it was hard for me to just live there in general the, the second month i called my parents and I was like, you know what, like, I want to go back home and I don't want to be here anymore. So then the coaches, they talked to me, they said, you know what, it's going to be like that for a little bit. You'll get used to it. This and that started talking to me that it's going to get better. And, you know, I, I'll, eventually things started getting better. I started getting friends. You know, the coaches started liking me even more because I they just watched me play more and more every day. Mm -hmm. And the environment out there, I just, you know, I think, I think they feel the game out there a little more, you know. You know, I haven't been in this league, in the U.S. league, the USL, for a while, but as what I can see is the passion out there is just, it's a different, el ambiente, la pasión, todo es diferente. What about what about development though? Like for example, the way the clubs are run from what you're experiencing with RGV compared to what you experienced uh, with Cholos, how different is it? Uh, I think it's 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 way different, you know. The, the the process out there is just, to be honest, I think it's a little harder out there because you're not only competing with uh, the first team and the USL team. Over here, you know, it's only two teams, which I think is great because there's more opportunity. They can if they don't if they don't look at you in the first team, then they're gonna look at you here in the USL. Mm -hmm. Over there, they look at the sub 15, they look at the sub 17. They look at the sub-20, they look at the segunda división. So you're competing against all those players. Even if you're, say you're 20 years old, uh, and a sub-15 player is killing it, they're going to give him the chance, you know? <laughs> so you're not only competing against a USL team or one team, you're competing against four teams, plus the Philly that's Dorados, which is the fifth team. Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's, five, that's five teams you're competing against. And they look at every single team, they just don't look at one team so i feel like the development over there it's it's either when i first got here to be honest i thought i was already i was already old like i wasn't able to 
able to go to the first team anymore because uh, in Mexico, they put so much in my head. Like, they, they would tell me, you know what, if you don't debut at 18, 19, you're just going to be stuck at a uh, second division league or you're just going to be here. But I got to the U.S. and people started telling me, oh, you're still young, you're still young this, you're still young that. It's like, I wonder why they're saying that, you know? And obviously mm-hmm. it's because the college players that come out of college and they get drafted, they're getting drafted at 22, 23, 24. So for these coaches, for these people out here, I feel like that's still young for them. And to be honest, that kind of gave me a little a little boost, a little more confidence because, you know, I didn't know that 20 years old was a young player because all of all, everything I went through out there. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's... A- it's over over there. It's all it's all about you. May, I mean, you mentioned. I honestly did not know that Dorados was part of the uh, was affiliated with uh, with with Cholos. Uh, but that's but you know you are right in, in in regards in regards to that in the fact that over there because there is no college, you know, uh, drafting or, or anything like that. You know it. it it, they do have that mentality of okay, if you don't debut by 18, you know, then you're too old. When it's not, when it's not like that, you, there's still a lot of development going on. You're now right now, right now uh, at your age. You know, a lot of people say, well, the ripe, you know, the ripe age for a, for a soccer player is uh, 22, 20, 23 years old. So you, you're, you're still, yeah. you're still, you're still young. You still have a lot to learn, and uh, hopefully, you, you'll continue to develop. Uh, here uh, in in the RGV. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. You know, like, like I said, when I first got here, I had just came out of a place where you know I, I liked it a lot, but I had came out of a place where they were just telling me, "Si no debutas a los 18 a los 19, pues a lo mejor te atoras ahí y te quedas en la segunda." You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, and just people telling me, "Oh, todavía estás joven, you're young, this and that." It gave me a little, like I said, more confidence, and obviously I want to develop here and end up at Dynamo. But you know, with, to, in order to do that, you need results, and unfortunately, that's not it's not happening right now. Yeah, Jacob. All right. So, what was your first reaction when you were told you were going to play for RGVFC? Uh, well, to be honest, it was it was a uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just, I was at a point in my life where I didn't even know where I was going to play. You know, I was, I left Cholos in the middle of the season. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to sign anywhere because they weren't letting me go. Just problems with my contract, problems with my contract, you know, other stuff that goes on out there. And so I went home and, you know, I had my agent calling me and there was other teams that were interested also. But I guess... Junior Gonzalez, which was the coach last year, called my agent. He said, you know, I'm really interested in this player. You know, can can you bring him out here? Stuff like that. I said, okay, let's let's give it a go. And about a week later, my agent calls me and goes, hey, you know what? This guy took a job at Galaxy, so now we have to wait and see what happens, see what other teams are offering stuff. So then I went to a combine and with my agent that he sent me there and he actually called me that day and he said, you know what? Houston is still interested. I didn't know about Toros. I thought Houston meant Houston Dynamo, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So then, uh, when I got to the combine, I saw the Dynamo uh, people talk to me. I saw the Galaxy people, they talked to me. And, you know, I felt like when I saw the facility of RGV, they showed me pictures. I saw, I saw things. My agent showed me pictures. I saw the stadium. I felt like that was the place I wanted to be, you know. I wanted to, I wanted to be there. It wasn't a, it wasn't a club where you share facilities. It was a club where you're on your own, and if you do good, you'll move up to the first team. And Galaxy was more like everything was together, you know. There was academies there that they were looking at also, and you know. So I took the when they told me that RGV, you know, offered me a contract, then I felt like that was the right choice, so I took it. <clears throat> yeah, right. but yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, because yeah, it, it's when I first saw the facilities, I was amazed at what it was gonna be like down here. Of course, uh, yeah, for the first season, I went to a lot of games here, and I was just amazed at what it had ended up going. So I also want to ask you, um, what? What do you love about the valley? What do you love about it out here? Uh, about the valley or about the team in general? Just, yeah. The region. So, yeah, the region. Okay. The region. Uh, you know what? I, I like it a lot because you know, it lets me concentrate more um, to, to the point where there's really nothing to do out here. You know, not no offense, mm -hmm. but there was, you know, I was living in TJ where San Diego was there and I would go see my friends and the beach, everything in here, you know, I'm just stuck, focused, and don't do anything. I haven't done anything. So, you know, I go to training, come back home, go to the games, come back home, travel, come back home. I haven't really done much. So, you know, I haven't really explored the valley like that. <laughs> I don't blame you, compadre. Uh, live, yeah. lived there for 20, 26 years. I needed a, a change. I needed to trabajar acá para Houston. But so, you know, I when you say that, I I started laughing because it's it's true. There's really not much there to do in the valley, you know, besides South Padre Island. And obviously, since yeah, you, since you're you know you, you have to go to training and uh, the games, you know, there's really not not a, enough time for you to go into uh, to South to South Padre to the beach against the Quelotro. So yeah, um, no. To be honest, I've been there once. My girlfriend actually came to visit mm -hmm, me, mm -hmm. and I went there once. And to be honest, I don't think I'm gonna go back. I had the worst sunburn ever. I've never been sunburned like that before. I couldn't sleep for two days. Ya, ya, ya te dio la bienvenida al valle, compadre. So, so uh, another another thing that that I kind of want as in this this one's gonna be kind of kind of random. So. If could you if you could give yourself a FIFA 18 rating, what would it be? Uh, I don't know. Right now, as the way it's going, a 50, 57, 56 around there. To be honest, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be. You know, I don't want to sound cocky or not or anything. But I think that's that's it right now. Obviously, I feel like I can do better, but. Mm -hmm. Like I, just the way season going, I don't deserve anything right now. Yeah. So okay. So um, you've you've touched upon you know this current this current season, how it's been going on 
uh, to, in your words, and and the all whatever you can say, you know, with all honesty, what do you feel this team is, is lacking uh, in order to get better better results? I think it's just little mistakes. It's little mistakes that are taking us the taking us taking the wind from us, you know, it's just little mistakes, you know, like giving the ball away and not finishing when we have to, letting go of the chances, a lot of set pieces, you know, it's it's just little little things that we're able to fix, but it's taking a while. You know, I feel like a lot of people say it's a new team, it's a new team this, but to be honest, there's been about 15 games already and, you know, it's not even a new team anymore. It's just little mistakes that is affecting us. And I think it's just that. I don't know if you saw the OKC game. You know, we were up 1-0 and, mm-hmm. you know, mistakes, you know, just little mistakes. Crosses the game. And, but, but, yeah, well, all we could do is just keep working, keep working, and no dejar de creer. And what you then... What do you feel can or can be done uh, on the training grounds or whatever in order to help with the mentality aspect of not, you know, not making these mental m- mental mistakes, uh, being able to capitalize on your chances? What do you think needs 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 to be done in that regard? Is it on the training ground? Is it you know through some sort of um, Psychiatry sessions. I, I I don't know. Uh, what what? No, what you... I think I think we're doing everything. At the well, the coaches are doing everything right for us to get the right training for us to finish and train in in uh, games. And you know, I feel like it's just a concentration. You know, we have to concentrate a little more and take every single play at training serious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, you play how you train. You know, if we're gonna be missing at training. We're gonna be missing the games. So. At the end of the day, it's just concentration. You know, those two two hours and a half that we train, it's just gonna be focused on that. Focused. Oh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and so yeah. also, do you think that it's the offense in a way that? Do you think that for now it has the offense been too predictable? Um, not to, not too predictable. I really know. Well, because we've we've had chances, we've had chances, and like I said, I think it's just it's just the fact that we're not finishing those chances, you know, because we're getting there. We, I mean, against Soul Park Rangers, all we needed to do is score a PK that we had, and we would have got the three points. And you know, we didn't finish the penalty, and that cost us the uh, the win. So you know, but. Like I said, it's just little things, little things. The penalty, uh, the one I missed against San Antonio, mm-hmm. you know, things like that are the ones causing the games because we've had chances. So I don't think we're, predict- we're predictable. We have players that can that can attack, you know. We have speed. We have technical abilities. We can take on players, you know. We have what it takes. It's just the last thing, which is finishing. One one of the things I have noticed a lot uh, during the games. Hey, Cass, be quiet. One of the things I noticed a lot uh, during the games is that 
opposing teams tend to double double team you or sometimes even triple team you uh when you're out there out there on the on the wing you know and more often than not you know you're you're able to get get past them but do you feel like maybe the you know it gets kind of kind of uh you know, re repetitive. You know, having to deal with with these uh, double double team. Marking. Yeah, I mean, I I, I notice it too. You know, obviously I'm in the field and I can see. You know, like against Galaxy, I can tell you that I had a bad game. I had a bad game because I was falling into their game. Both their winger and their right back was just focusing on me the whole game, and instead of me playing simple, you know, I just try to go through them, you know, and it wasn't working. So I've noticed it in other games also that they're just on me, two, three players as soon as they get the ball. And, you know, I think it's just they probably watch video, watch games, and they see stuff, and they just try to fix it by putting all those players on me. But, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like if I just, you know, have the confidence in me to take them, then I can do it. But you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to be taking on two, three players all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it looks like it looks like I'm not trying. I think, or you know, but I'm I'm giving it all I have. You know, like I said, it's they hit me, they pull me, they they do all these things to stop me. And you know, obviously it works. But at the end of the day, I just I gotta keep focusing on me, and if that's what I have to work on, then I'm gonna have to work on that, you know. Because I've had uh, friends that play in other teams have told me that during their video is what they talk about. Mm -hmm. That you know, this player that this player does this, we're gonna have to do this, you know. But you know, so I know I know that happens during games. Yeah, then definitely, but um. <laughs> So, how would you how would you describe um, your your chemistry or the building chemistry that you have uh, building with Aldo Quintanilla? With Aldo, <laughs> Aldo, we still we and him still got to work on how to you know because we've had we've had plays where we look good you know together wall passes uh, combining with each other, but then there's other other times where both of us make the wrong choice by trying to dribble too much, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're still working on that. Me and Aldo are still working on that. And hopefully, you know, we'll get better, you know? They, they, uh, he's right now in Houston, so obviously he's, it's working for him. So mm -hmm. I'm proud of him. And, you know, hopefully he stays over there and I don't have to work with him anymore because that's the plan for yeah. us to be up there. Well, you know, so the best, best, best case scenario is that, is that both of you uh, make it to the Dynamo. Pero pues dices tú, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a building process. Y este, pues yeah, a ver, of course. A ver, y a ver cómo le va este, sí, hoy a la pues, tarde. Jugó bien contra el primer equipo que jugamos contra, ¿cómo se llama? North Texas Rayados. Rayados, algo así. Sí, los North Texas yeah. Rayados. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know, he gets some minutes today. Mm -hmm. Sí, no, I was, I was there and I was gonna, and I was gonna say hi, pero pues uh, no, alcan no alcancé a, a, a hablarte while, because I was there. No, no, that's cool. That's ah, okay, it's okay, man. Jacob? And, all right, so, um, 
since it's you know open cup season and the Dynamo are still in it, um, have those call ups, ha- yeah, have those call ups for the players bo- uh, given any confidence boosts? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, just being called up even to training, that means they're looking at you. So that, that, that all that makes, all that makes you do is just work harder and play better. And so I think, yeah, those call-ups are definitely helping and giving players confidence. Not only the ones that are getting called up, but the players that haven't got called up, they're giving them confidence too because, like I said, they're actually looking at us. They're considering us to go up there. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So, um, one of the final, uh, one of the final questions that I have for you, in in regards uh, to to this, do you do you see your do you see yourself um, in the in the near future? Hello? Do you see yourself in the uh, near future playing for the Dynamo, like trying making it to the first team contract? Uh, yeah, I do, I do, but. I have a lot of things to work on right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you just said, it's, it's a process. And at, at the end of the day, it's, it's their decision, not mine, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I definitely see myself with the Dynamo. And whenever it happens, I'll be, you know, really happy. Definitely. So if you could describe Coach Echeverri, El Profe, in one word, what would it be? Um, strict, <laughs> strict. You know they, they're they're on me a lot. But you know I, I like the pressure. I like, I like the way they talk to us. And you know to be honest, they've done a they they've done a good job. And those results, it's not, it's not their fault. It's like I said at the end of the day, that little that little finish, that little last touch that we need, which is scoring the goals. If we don't score, we're not gonna win. And the coaches have been there helping us to do that. And we haven't been able to reward the coaches by giving them wins. So mm-hmm. I think I think they're doing a good job. And at the end of the day, this is on us. Yeah, definitely. Jacob? All right. So uh, the Portland Timber FC2 game obviously wasn't great. But when you walked into the uh, press conference, um. What was the deal with the watermelon piece? Oh, <laughs> there was a... So, like, after games, I don't really like to eat. There's always food there for us. But I don't really like to eat. And everybody tells me, too, you got to eat something, you got to eat something. So I grabbed the watermelon, and then Anwar walked in and said, you know, they want to interview you. And I was like, all right. So then I still had the watermelon, watermelon with me. So I did the interview like that. <laughs> Chuy la sandía Enriquez yeah, Chuy la sandía <laughs> ya, ya, me, ya me siento como el perro Bermúdez <laughs> So uh, so I really would like, like to thank you uh, Chuy for taking the time uh, To be on the show And uh, answer some of, some of the questions So that fans One, get to know you to get to know how you know the atmosphere, how the how the team is, you know, looks like on the inside, and um, so that way, you know, that way I think it helps a lot with the connection between fan and, and players. But before I let you go, you know, I just have to ask you one thing: it's World Cup season. 
What are your thoughts on mm -hmm. the games so far that you have seen? No, they've been, they've been, I think they've been good. They've been great. And especially that Mexico-Germany one, that's how, you know, the way Mexico played, that shows that con huevos, corazón, mm -hmm. you can win any game, no matter who's in front of you. You know, so I think the World Cup has been good so far. and Hopefully, obviously, I, I want Mexico to win it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was also what I got to ask you. So you want Mexico, obviously, in our hearts, you know, even though I doubt it, Osorio, but, you know, typical me, but... You know, see, you always have you always have that you know that love for you know for the for at least for for me with the Mexican national team. Obviously, I want the U.S. national team to do good as well. But um you know, my heart is hundred you know with with uh, with Mexico, you know. But with all you know, in reality, who do you think will win this World Cup? To be honest, I think it's going to be Spain or France. But I really want Mexico to win. <laughs> like I said, you know, I, that's what I want. But I think it's going to be either Spain or France. And if Mexico wins it, it's going to be, como dicen allá, una cachetada con guante blanco para todos nosotros que los tiramos de Osorio. No, sí, cuando, cuando ganó, yo me metí al Twitter y lo primero que hice fue hashtag Osorio y todos los tweets de perdón Osorio <laughs> I was one of those <laughs> yeah. but we'll see, we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes against uh, I think it, what is it South Korea yeah uh, South Korea, yeah, South Korea. On, on Saturday well um, yeah. thank you so much once again Chuy uh, hope you enjoy the rest uh, rest of your week uh, gotta, uh, gotta keep on training and hopefully We shall see you on Saturday, and we can get the win against uh, Phoenix Rising NC. Oh, before – oh, actually, I do have one more question. So yeah. how how does it feel for you to – there's be a, be a potential that you'd be sharing the same field with Didier Drogba? Oh, that's – you know, I, I was excited, to be honest, but I think he's in the World Cup right now. Is he? So – Yeah, I've seen a lot of posts that he's out there. But, you know, if it happens, it's just going to be, I think it's going to be uh, crazy. You know, I've been in field with other players. Like, when I would play with the 20s, the totals, a lot of players would drop mm -hmm. from other teams. And I played with, you know, big players. But, uh, Deer Drogba, you know, that's a, that's another, that's another name right there. That's another player. <laughs> another that's world. world class right there. Yeah, definitely. Just, When I won all of the week, I was actually competing against one of his goals, so that was that was already exciting. So now I just imagine being in the same field. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> like yeah. we'd be we'd be fan fangirling, como dicen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Right <laughs> yeah, but definitely once those 90 minutes begin, it's just 11 versus 11. Yeah, yeah, of course. And plus, thank you so much, man. And hopefully we uh, we can get the win uh, on Saturday. Y Dios quiere, I, I, I nos vemos en, uh, ahí el sábado en el HB Park. Uh, ya, ya está. Muchas gracias por, por tenerme en el show. Y pues ya saben que, como siempre digo, nosotros le damos con todo. A veces se ve como, como que no, pero ahí estamos trabajando duro y pues obviamente tratando de sacar los resultados. Claro que sí, man. So uh, we'll see. Right. We'll see y'all on, sat on Saturday. Be sure to uh, 
Join us. Go to HGB Park, uh, Phoenix Rising, and RGBFC will be playing uh, this Saturday. And then before the before the match, there's going to be a celebration for uh, a World Cup cel celebration. You know, after the Mexico game, but before before the match. So be sure to go to HGB Park. It's uh, good good entertainment uh, for the for the family. And take your friends, take everybody. We gotta go. We gotta fill that park. So, uh, Chewy, yeah. once again, thank you, and uh, uh, take care, man. All right, you too, All right. man. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. When we come back, we will continue. To, we will actually now be talking about what has been going on in the World Cup uh, so far. So don't go away just yet. Remember uh, to call us at 956-622-5977 so you can give your takes uh, as well on the World Cup. Did you watch the Mexico game? Did you, do you believe that the, uh, that the big teams like Brazil, like Spain, like Argentina, are they, uh, do, are they not playing uh, as they should have? Or is, that, or is it that their level at this right now? Give us your opinions, whether on the chat as well as uh, on the uh, uh, on the phone on the nine. Once again, nine five six five two six two two five nine seven seven. We will be right back after this break. There we go. Well, we're back, and we're kind of skipping this in this break because uh, we are about like 20 minutes uh, from 9 o'clock, and we really want to talk about the World Cup. Uh, so once again, guys, um, be sure to, if you guys haven't already, if you guys would like, be sure to donate to the Food Bank RGV uh, to help out uh, the people of the Rio Grande Valley with uh, necessities after these uh, floods uh, from this uh, tropical system. That did not make them did not become a tropical storm, but still dumped a lot of rain in the Rio Grande Valley region. And so, but be sure to also check out uh, the Beautiful Game Network. Follow them in all of their social media, uh, their website bgn.fm, their Twitter, Facebook, uh, the at the bgn.fm. Uh, be sure to also check out uh, the Beautiful Game Network sponsor, which is Roughneck Scarves. Uh, they are the official scarf supplier of the USL, MLS, and NCAA. Um, and be sure to also check out our uh, website down in the RGB.com. Uh, so, Jacob, it's been a really, really good World Cup. Yeah, it's been a really solid World Cup so far. I mean, wasn't really expecting it to be that impressive considering the first game was a 5-0 defeat when Russia destroyed Saudi Arabia. Of course, that was really early, but you still... I, I thought that was going to set the tone, really, for the whole World Cup, but it didn't. And the whole World Cup just twisted and it changed right after we had a crazy, crazy game, a 3-3 draw when we had Portugal, or let me just say Cristiano Ronaldo carrying Portugal, and destroying Spain's defense. Yeah, de definitely. And and it's it's hard to not try to avoid uh, comparisons between Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. And uh, you see how Cristiano Ronaldo 
even with a, a team, a national team that many people believe is very limited in talent, not including Cristiano Ronaldo, and they've already won the Euro. They have uh, done pretty decent, I guess you can say, uh, in, in, in these two games that they played. They tied 3-3. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo scored all three goals. That was just beast mode right there, you know. That's where the great players show their worth. When they're able to pick their team up, even though they're not doing good, and take them towards, a you know, at least a tie. Because, frankly, in my opinion, Spain played much better than, than Portugal. But when you have a player like Cristiano Ronaldo out there, you know, and you don't guard him like you should... Because you feel like, oh, well, there's there's no time like for them to come back, or they kind of let them let let off the gas. Then a player like him is is gonna make you pay dearly for that. Exactly. I mean, and that was just the start of the World Cup, right there. We had an incredible game, and of course, this incredible player with ice in his veins, basically, because he took that penalty kick with no problem whatsoever, and then that free kick right into the back of the net, that was money. <laughs> it was basically really good. Definitely. It, it, it was it was beautiful. And it's funny because a lot of people make fun of Cristiano Ronaldo saying, oh, well, why is he continuing to take free kicks? Like, he never makes any goals anymore. And when it counted, there you go. You know, he gave uh, Portugal uh, one point and it took away two from, from Spain. Um, and then, so in Group A, we had uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia. That was the, the inaugural game you mentioned, 5-0. Saudi Arabia, I'm sorry, but they're extremely limited. It's one of those teams like you don't understand how they made it to the, to the World Cup. But then you realize that you're, they're part of the, one of the weakest confederations. Well, they, they are. <laughs> There, there's nothing more to say. Yeah. And then Uruguay and Egypt faced off uh, the day after. Uruguay uh, defeats Egypt 1-0. And a lot of people questioning why didn't Mohamed Salah play? Or why didn't he, like, why was he, like, maybe not as a starter, but, but you know, coming in as a sub. You know, the coach did not uh, put in Mohamed Salah uh, against, against uh, Uruguay. Like, not even for five, not even for ten minutes. And a lot of people that were left with their heads scratching, and uh, because he was on the bench, so I'm guessing he wasn't, or the coach was not confident enough in Mohamed Salah's recovery at that point, and uh, or maybe I've heard a lot of people say that maybe he was just too overly confident that uh, they were able, they would be able to get the results uh, a tie against Uruguay without needing Mohamed Salah. Yeah. It, it was a shame to not see him in. And, of course, yeah, the coach really messed up. Uh, I, I wouldn't say the lineup, but he just messed up on that note because right there you get a very poor result against Uruguay where you could they could have honestly gotten away with the point. And finally you decide to start most Mohamed Salah where he was doing really well, I believe, against Russia. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we all know what happened there, a 3-1 to one loss, but it, 
he still played well. So if you were to put him as a sub for that game, I think he would have done fine as well and maybe gotten him a, the point that they needed. Yeah, uh, de- definitely. You got to you got to take advantage. Uh, I heard a couple of commentators say like even at Mohamed Salah, like 70-80% would probably in, would probably have been enough to have done damage to Uruguay. Then the the next game after that it was Morocco versus Iran. And in that game it looked like Morocco had a better opportunity to come away with the win. But in the last sec in the last minutes an own goal by a Morocco Moroccan defender was the difference and gave uh, Iran the the three points. It was just heartbreaking. Oh yeah, it was it? There's no excuse for that, really. It's just a crazy, just yeah, an own goal, and I believe by that point there might. That was the first one. Maybe there had already been another before, but just that was kind of a tone in the World Cup because I believe right now there are three own goals. Four. Four own goals. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I believe the Iran, Iran one was the first uh, own goal, and then we t- already talked about Portugal and Spain. So, and then the on Saturday, Saturday morning, uh, we had uh, France square off against Australia. And Australia fought valiantly. They their goal was after a uh, penalty kick that was awarded via the VAR system. But in the end, France, even without convincing, uh, what you know that they were playing at, at their fullest or at their full potential, still managed to come away with a win against the Socceroos. Yeah, and. It's crazy to think that, especially right now, that I know France is saving up a lot of their energy, but at the same time, look at how they've come off into the World Cup. And it's crazy to think this, but they didn't play too well in their friendlies. I know it's friendlies, but the United States came away in France with a draw. And then, of course, heading into the World Cup, their group stage has just been okay. They've been... They're lacking talent in a way, if if I should say so. Of course, they have enough talent to get by the group, but mm. do your fans really just want to see you get by a group? If if I was, you know, from France, and I would want to see my national team just destroy that group because it's easy. I know that they got the wins, but I would have wanted to see them destroy it. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, an honor student, you know, a child prodigy. Uh, com- um, when conforming themselves to getting a 70 because that's the minimum to pass. And I think that's what's happening with France. It's like they're kind of they're playing like half a pedal you, uh, to not tire themselves out too much. Uh, at least that's what it seemed because, I mean, you have Paul Pogba, and you have uh, Raphael Varane, and many other, you know, high uh, top-class uh, French players on that national team, and you barely get you barely get by uh, Australia, and uh, and then I think recently they they also they played against uh, Peru, and barely managed to get by on that on that game as well. Yeah, exactly. There's no need for it, but I guess, like you said, it, they just need. They just want to do the minimum, and they want to go hard and 
play their stars in the round of 16, the knockout stages and all of that. Of course, though you want to top your group, why do you want to top your group so bad so that you can play easier teams? And of course, I know that we got other matches to talk about, but th it's just crazy that they really haven't been playing their full potential. Uh, de definitely. Um, and then the next game that I did want to kind of talk, talk about and get your, your opinions in this whole Messi versus Cristiano Ronaldo thing. Uh, they played on Saturday against Argentina, against Iceland. They barely managed to tie. Lionel Messi missing a penalty kick. I mean, it's a classic stage fright. I don't know how else to say it, but they were fine in their, um, whatever it was, the group. or Yeah, their, their South American group, they were fine with that. Chris, or Cristiano, wow. Uh, Lionel Messi just absolutely was able to carry them into this World Cup. And then barely. going into, yeah, barely. But he, he still carried them in, which is a big thing. But mm -hmm. then when he got to the World Cup, it's like he's frozen because we haven't really seen anything from the guy. He misses a penalty, okay, but he doesn't get a another opportunity to score a goal or things like that. He, he's just, he's been invisible throughout this World Cup is how I like to put it. And I want to go ahead and jump ahead to today's match uh, uh, against uh, Croatia. That was pitiful, honestly, by Everybody from the Argentina national team. A pitiful performance. Lionel Messi, there's a reason why they call you a pecho frio. And that is because you're no leader. You're, you're not out there supporting your teammates and uh, hy hyping them even when you're uh, facing adversity. You're just sitting there lamenting yourself and uh, uh, keeping it to yourself. The third goal, I'm sorry, but Lionel Messi and Javier Mascherano just stood there like idiots waiting for the referee to call an offside and just let Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic do whatever they pleased inside the box. Obviously, Willy Caballero has a, had a lot, of, uh, a lot to do as well with this result. But the way they, Lionel Messi, who's supposed to uh, be the leader, supposed to set the example, didn't. And there, there is your best of the world. Exactly. You, you said it exactly correct. I mean, in, in no way, shape, or form should that have ever happened. Because, sure, you're facing Croatia. But that Argentine side should have at least given them a fight. And they really didn't. Of course, you can go back to momentum switched when... Argentina missed that open goal and right there if they put it if they put that ball into the back of the net Argentina does then we're maybe looking at a different scoreline because that gives Argentina a little bit more momentum and maybe gives Lionel Messi a boost maybe mm -hmm. gives him a boost but yeah right right after that is in my opinion where I believe they just died yeah, and you know and going going back to the when we were talking about RGV, you know, at, at least so you're, you're you're killing yourself out there for, for this team, and they just completely gave up. And you cannot you cannot have that, with, especially with such world class players. And I think the problem with Argentina is they have world class players for the most part, but they do not function as a team. 
Exactly. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, you always, it it just goes back to chemistry. Mm -hmm. You can have all these superstars, talents in the world playing for one team. But the question is, can they work together? And that Argentine team, they looked so selfish out there. It was ridiculous. You see Lionel Messi after the game walking off by himself. One guy on the bench just contemplating life, basically, and having to be dragged off the pitch, basically, or off the, yeah, the sidelines. And it was just exactly like that. It was very sad. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so continuing on, he had uh, Peru uh, losing uh, 1-0 against Denmark. Uh, just quickly, you know, D- uh, Peru had so many chances. Uh, basically, they had a lot of uh, opportunities, especially once Paulo Guerrero, Paulo Guerrero uh, came on, as well as uh, Raúl Ruiz, and they the, they just weren't they they just weren't there. Like the the accuracy of the shots just wasn't there. And as well, Schmeichel, you know, Schmeichel was uh, in his day as well. He's shown to be a really good keeper, uh, and so he was it, he was a key element. So that way, uh, Denmark w- would keep uh, that clean sheet. And will be able to win by the bare minimum. I mean, it was all, it was mostly all Peru. All the chances were Peru. And with one opportunity that, that Denmark had, they were able to slot it in. And that was, that was pretty much the difference. Yeah, it, it exactly was. Um, I mean, I, I didn't really get to catch that game, but of course you're coming off of the, as the underdogs in general, but still give it a chance and they they did have some opportunities but it just wasn't enough definitely and um, and then next game Croatia to they defeat uh, Nigeria two to zero and then Serbia defeats Costa Rica one uh, zero and then Sunday's match Germany and Mexico even I was like all sad and very pessimistic about this game but Mexico went out there and showed everybody what they got they drove Germany insane I feel like they had no idea how to react they I don't think they were expecting for Mexico to play with such a fast counter-attack uh, speed like like they did with uh, Chucky Lozano and Hector Herrera and uh, Andres Guardado you know and it easily could have been 2-0, 3-0 if it weren't for Chicharito. But that's a completely different story. But I was surprised by Mexico, and I'm sure a lot of people were. Well, yeah, but not to mention that the early part of the game was all Germany. I did watch that start, and Germany was attacking constantly at Ochoa. And I'm very surprised to see Ochoa and even their defense do a really good job at the start of the game. And I think that's what helped them prevail and get that win. Because if it wasn't for, you know, their defense counterattacking like that, we're talking about Germany most likely winning maybe 2-3-0. So their defense really showed up and stepped up. And that's exactly why um, Mexico was able to counter and do that that stuff. And even... And even as a United States supporter and all of that, and of course I followed them, you could even say, we could have even told them, look, they're going to counterattack like crazy. 
we could have told Germany they're going to counterattack like crazy because I remember they always did that against the United States. They always wanted to play a fast tempo. Yeah, and I mean, you got to take advantage of those those speedy wingers with Layun and, and Chucky and Aquino and uh, Jurgen Damm, even though he wasn't uh, he he wasn't called up for the for the World Cup, but. I think the the efficiency how they played, I think that's what surprised everybody, especially how they were coming in. They weren't coming with uh, with great results um, uh, into this World Cup, and then you're going up against the the current World Cup champion. So it, it was you had some some uh, excuse to kind of be pessimistic about this match, but they came up away with the win. I think it was. I think, in my opinion, was the upset of the tournament so far. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure uh, what you think. Um, I mean, it's very close with Argentina, Croatia. Very close with that, in my opinion. But I, I think, since of course Germany were the or are the defending champions still, they have not been eliminated or anything like that. So they're still the defending champs. They that would be the upset of the tournament just because of that. So in the next match, they had uh, Brazil uh, tied against Switzerland, a Switzerland team that many people, I think, were uh, under-hyping. Uh, I feel that they weren't giving uh, Switzerland the respect that they deserve. I know I did. and uh, I, Even though Philippe Sanderos and other uh, people were saying, the Switzerland team is this is the golden age of the Switzerland national team. They got good players, you know, and uh, Brazil just couldn't defeat Switzerland. And they tied one to one. Uh, started with, with a beautiful goal by Philippe Coutinho. Uh, but then but then at the end, uh, Switzerland, after a corner kick, um, gets gets the um, by Zuber. Gets the the tying goal, but I think the most um, the most surprising aspect of that goal was it just it, it just seems so USLish. What do I mean by USLish? In the fact that uh, the what's the goalkeeper's name? As it Ali Alison just was just stuck there inside his own uh, eight yard box or yeah right six yard box. And uh, there was nobody. There was nobody marking uh, Zuber. There were like three defenders near him, and nobody marked him. Now my cousin was telling me, "Well, it's because uh, Zuber kind of pushed. I believe it was uh, Miranda. He pushed him in the back, and that gave him a, that gave him an advantage. So, you know, but still, you know, you as a defender, you're you're supposed to have somebody on the attacker's back." to get that advantage of like giving him a little push that the referee won't see and to try to, to um, uh, destabilize the, the, the attacker. But no, everybody was in front of him. Nobody was in back of him. He was able to get away with that, with that tiny little push. And he was just all alone to just hit the ball ins inside the goal. That was, that was just bad defending by Brazil. Exactly. <laughs> and you can't do that if you want to win the World Cup. Which obviously that country wants to do. Yeah, and and and, and Neymar has that big, the, that big pressure uh, to bring the World Cup uh, to Brazil. Exactly, and now that man is injured. I 
don't believe Why he am I not surprised? Is, yeah, I don't believe he's coming back for the next group stage game, if I'm not mistaken, if that's what uh, I heard from Fox. Yeah. But it's not, and it's also not been the first time that he's gotten hurt in a World Cup, too. Four years ago in Brazil, if we do recall, he got, like, hit in the back or something, got stretched out and had a broken back. So. Yeah. And he missed out again against Germany. And then 7-1 happened. So let's quickly uh, go over with the rest of the games. Um, I'll mention the match day one, so you'll go ahead and, and, and mention the match day two. Uh, the rest of the match day ones ha- are Sweden defeating South Korea 1-0. Uh, Belgium defeating Panama 3-0. Uh, Tunisia defeating, uh, or actually England defeating Tunisia 2-1. Uh, Japan defeating Colombia, uh, who played 92 minutes with one man down, uh, two to one, and then Poland losing to Senegal. There's another surprise, uh, two to one, and that game brought a lot of a lot of uh, uh, good. Not I'm not saying banter, but there was there was a lot of people saying that the second goal should not have counted, or that was some bad uh, decision making by the referee in that uh, second Senegal goal. It was it was a goal. I mean, they have VAR. They could have reviewed it if they wanted to. And I, I every single goal is reviewed right after in Moscow. So they didn't see anything wrong with it. And it was a goal. Of course, fans can think what they want, but they have VAR for a reason. All right. And go ahead and mention the rest of uh, match day two uh, matches so far. All right. So I've got here Group C, um, Denmark tied Australia one to one. That was today. Uh, France beats Peru one nil. Uh, Croatia destroys, like we just said, Argentina three nil. And I believe there's more, but those are the match that Group E for tomorrow. We have Brazil facing Costa Rica. That will be at seven a.m. Our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nigeria to face Iceland. Ooh, that one's going to be good. Exactly. Serbia facing Switzerland tomorrow. That will be the last game, actually, for tomorrow. And we got Group G, Belgium, Tunisia. That will be a blowout, in my opinion. <laughs> and then South Korea to face Mexico on Saturday. 10 a.m. 10 a.m., exactly. And then Group F. Uh, Germany, Sweden, and then in- on Sunday, England faces Panama. Japan faces Senegal right after that game, and then Poland to face Colombia for the last game of that day, match day two. So right now, so far, uh, the only group in which the two teams that have you can say have advanced confirmed that they advanced to the next round is in group a in which, uh, both Russia and Uruguay are mathematically in because they both have six points. Uh, and so Egypt sadly is out of it, but I think the coach brought it to themselves. Uh, group B, you have Spain and Portugal tied with four points, uh, then followed by Iran, with uh, three points and uh, Morocco with zero, so that one is still is still up in the air. 
Uh, and then you have uh, France with six points, Denmark with four, Australia, who technically still has a chance to to move on to the next uh, round, uh, is uh, only has one, and Peru is also eliminated with zero points. Uh, and then you have within Group D, you have. Croatia in first place with six points. Iceland with one, but only one match played. And then Argentina with two match played, matches played with well, one point, and Nigeria with one match played is zero. Everything, everybody, every other group is still up in the air because it's only one match played so far. But um, it, it's gonna it's it's gonna be interesting set of matches. Hopefully, it continues that way. So having gone through through the World Cup. Uh, I think it's time for us to go. It's a little bit past uh, 9 o'clock, so hope you all in enjoyed the show. Hope you all enjoyed the interview with uh, Chuy Enriquez. Be sure to uh, catch this. If you if you missed the, this uh, podcast on, the, on YouTube, uh, be sure to check it out um, on SoundCloud when I, when I upload it. And then uh, in, uh, iTunes, Google Play Store, and Stitcher. That's our podcasts are available there. Uh, be sure to uh, give a huge shout out. I want to give a huge shout out to the Beautiful Game Network uh, for all the help. So be sure to check them out on Twitter, Facebook, and on the website, the BGN.FM. Um, Jacob, thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. Uh, another, that's a quarter, that's 25 episodes already. Mm -hmm. We're a quarter of a way to 100. Yes, we are. That's, that, 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 that's, just, that's just crazy. Um, so we gotta, we gotta think about what we want to do for our 50th episode, uh, um, special edition. And, uh, then maybe we can think about 100, but step by step. And, uh, so thank you so much, uh, Jacob for, for joining me today. Um, be safe out there. I know there's still going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of water, uh, on the roads, and uh, tomorrow I shall make the trip down there to the Rio Grande Valley. And uh, hopefully we can uh, bring you some coverage live from HEV Park for this game between RGV FC and uh, Phoenix Rising SC. Um, hope for the best, but I'm kind of expecting the worst. So, guys, if you guys are listening to this, prove me wrong. Got anything you want to add before we go? Yeah, no, just, I mean... Prove us wrong, really. Uh, I'm expecting a loss as well as Edson is. It's just, uh, it's it's time for a change, really. It's really time for a change, and let's make it happen on Saturday. Make it the beginning of a better uh, of the better end of the season. Exactly. Having said this, we'll see you all next Wednesday um, at 7 p.m. here on YouTube uh, for episode 26 of down in the valley hopefully we can bring you some good news uh and not some bad news like we've been giving you for the past couple of months so um i hope you guys uh in the roster consider this as a hashtag challenge accepted so thank you all for tuning in we'll see each other next week take care
Yeah, I'm there. Saturday. Thanks, you too, man. Later.